The USL Championship playoffs began with 16 teams, and this past Saturday, we saw the remaining four battling for their spot in the USL Championship final. In St. Petersburg, Tampa Bay went down 2-0 early but rallied back with an equalizer from Lucky and Kosana in stoppage to send the match to extra time. In extra time, Lawrence White sent a cross into the box that found the head of Steven Dos Santos for the match winner. Here it comes from Louisville had no response and Tampa Bay punched their ticket to the USL Championship Final. In Irvine, Orange County got an early goal from leading goal scorer Ronaldo Damas, but San Antonio's Marcus Epps equalized in the second half. The match went to PKs and San Antonio's Justin Dillon took his shot. The miss set the stage for Ugo Okoli to secure OC a spot in their first ever final. Orange County SC, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Only one can lift the USL Championship Cup this Sunday at Al Lang Stadium. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast. Or on Facebook at Orange and Black SoccerCast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black SoccerCast. The first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters, I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm going to take you through this journey as we discuss the USL Championship Finals. Uh, it's not just Orange County in this. We're going to talk about a little bit about Tampa, too. So we've brought a lot of people on to help us out with that. And I'm going to go to our normals first, but we're going to do it quickly. Let me welcome on the man from Caroline Coalition. That's Dylan. Dylan, how we doing, my man? You're, I believe you're making the trip out, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll get there. Um, I'm doing well. We'll talk about this later. We will. Um, and the other regular we have on tonight is ma the man up in Reno, Mr. Brad uh, in Reno. Brad, how you doing, man? What's it like to be able to afford tickets on like a week prior plane ride out to Tampa Bay, St. Petersburg? Man, I didn't I say I it was a good idea. Finances. I did not say it was a good idea. And it's also He's a little more, more expensive flying out of Reno. I'm doing well. Quite happy. <laughs> Let me uh, bring on someone who also is sort of a regular at this point because he's been with us throughout the whole playoffs here, uh, and that's John USL Tactics himself, John Morrissey. How you doing, John? Yeah, doing well. I I think I've earned the regular status at this point. We may have to upgrade you, but I hear I hear there might be a bidding war because I hear you're potentially a a regular on the unused substitutes podcast. And let's bring on Matt to to confirm this. Matt is is John sort of an official with you guys now? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I talked to him earlier this afternoon because he's recording. He's flying, traveling tomorrow, so we couldn't do it during our regular show. Uh, and I think we've already got him booked for next week, uh, win or lose, to go over the results. So, uh, yeah, this is uh, he's got some leverage on, on on both of us at this point. I think. There we go. But we got to do this. We've we've all got to take a, a little bit of a pause here because we got a really special guest here. Uh, this is a man who we tried to get on a couple seasons ago. We weren't quite able to do it because of some technical difficulties, but he's now making his debut on our show. It's the man that's going to be calling the match with Devin Kerr this weekend uh, at Allang Stadium, uh, and that's Mr. Mike Watts. Mike, how are you doing, man? Welcome to our show. I'm good. I'm glad to be here, although none of you have the money that we at the league office do. You're, he's not going to be on this podcast. He's not going to be on unused subs. John is going to usurp Devin. Ahead of the curve is gone, and in the John is our new tactical segment. Who would have thunk? Hey, hey you know, I'm, I'm sure John's excited to hear something like yeah. that, right? <laughs> um, yeah, please pay me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something that we can't do. I, I don't know unused subs. I don't know if you guys have the the bankroll uh, to afford top notch talent. But let, I, I want to jump onto you, Mike, because I know you you're you know a busy man, so we don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I want to just hear your thoughts both on the uh, on both of these conference. Uh, finals that you were able to witness um you, you obviously you made the call uh on the tampa bay match um correct no no oh. so uh, let, let's, Man, let's go back off. one step i uh i was calling cincinnati smu college football for westwood one and then uh jumped uh jumped back to my hotel room and watched both of them like everyone on this pod did and everyone who's watching this pod did so Drew okay. Felios and Ryan Davis called the the Rowdies uh, um, Louisville game, and then Josh Eastern and Devin called the the Phoenix or uh, the uh, Phoenix. They're the usual Phoenix guys. Uh, Orange Ooh. County San Antonio game. Um, so yeah, I sort of sat that out and just watched as a fan, which is really really abnormal for me. But it was say. awesome. It was. I mean, it was an awesome night. It was. My best friend works with me on those games. We just sat there at slack jawed for, for six hours. Is perfect. I was going to say, you know, and I, I apologize for the mistake there. I just assumed Devin was on the Orange County call, so I figured Mike must have been on the Tampa Bay call. Shows you how much I was paying attention to that match. Uh, I was busy trying to get to the stadium and get set up and and become a fan. But uh, so let me tell, let me ask you this: What's the experience? You know, having the night off, uh, at least from USL, uh, on such important matches, being just a fan and watching what was going on and. Uh, what did you see from the from either Tampa and or Orange County that you're looking forward to uh, on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're really excited to to get the same Pete. I mean, we were in the hotel last year when everything went down, and and um, you know, we we were getting news on Twitter from Taylor Twelman just like everybody else was about what was going on across the street. So. For one, we're just excited to get there, and ESPN and, and SiriusXM and ESPN Deportes is, is such a huge platform for the league. And, and I mean, we've put a lot of resources into trying to make this broadcast unique and, and better than anything we, we've ever done before. So from a production standpoint, that that's exciting for us um, going into Sunday night. But it's two teams that, I mean, they grit and they grind and it, it, there's not going to be an easy yard of turf on the entire field. I mean, the, the Rowdies, um, Devin touched on it on, on Sirius XM earlier, to, uh, earlier today. I think it's airing at 1 a.m. So later tonight, tomorrow morning, 
um, the the tactical changes that that Neil Collins used to adjust. You know, one sub meaning five different positional changes within their tactics. Um, it, Neil is is a fascinating tactical human being, both from a an emotional standpoint uh, as well as on the field. So that's that's intriguing. Uh, the, the comeback we saw, I, I know it's Miracle at Bonnie in Sacramento. I don't know what we're going to call it in St. Pete, but it's pretty darn close. So, you know, they come in with the right momentum. Where's Jordan Scarlett in, in getting back? Uh, what's the situation with Evan Laurel? Um, I, I think the bench that, that the Rowdies have assembled might be the best bench we've ever seen, regardless of who they choose to start of any team that's made the final in, in my seven years around the league. So they, they've got some real firepower there. And, and obviously, you know, Orange County centric pod, Richard Chaplo, it, it, it's, it's not always pretty. I mean, one nil, he's fine with that. That's cup football. And he'll be the first to raise his hand. I, I asked him a month and a half ago, um, you know, no promotion relegation. How do you view success this year, given where you are and, taking over midseason, he goes, look, missing the playoffs is relegation to us. So that was step one. Let's get to the postseason. And then, the you know, the last day to get some home games. Damas looks – I if I'm grabbing any guy under the age of 25 as a goal scorer in this league, he's probably the one. I mean, you could go up to Preston Judd and, and make that argument. Um, but but for me, Damas has been spectacular again this year like he was in League One. Um, you, you're starting to get some guys healthy enough to give some quality minutes in a final. So Kasipli and Evoldson. And then you've got a back four and a goalkeeper that look impenetrable most nights and have the experience. And in a one-off, I feel really good if I'm Orange County uh, laying that back five out against anybody. And Kaningas has been phenomenal in the postseason. I think it's a great match. I, I think it's one that's probably a um, one, two, or three goal game total. Um, so I wouldn't bet the over if I were you, but it's a good game. So, I mean, you mentioned Orange County has a, a, a tough defense. They've been on such an amazing defensive run over the last 10 to 12 matches, um, the, the final six or so matches, the regular season, the playoffs here. Uh, what is it about... Orange County's just game plan, match plan, and, and that back line and that, uh, you know, Patrick Rakowski between the sticks, that's been so impressive for this team and, and that's gotten them to this point because really it's been the defense that's gotten them here. Yeah, I think the funny thing and, um, you know, it, they're all experienced at a high level doing this at, at a high level within that next tier. So, I don't care what age Michael Orozco is. He, he is a 60-time capped Gold Cup winning center back. Um, I, <laughs> you, you look at Kevin Alston, decade in MLS. You, you look at Rakowski. You know, when he was 18, he was considered among the three best players in German football. I mean, it, it didn't really work out for him, but goalkeepers always seem to have their prime between the ages of 26, 28, up to 32, 34, you know, however it shifts and how long you can make that go. So theoretically, you're getting the best football he can give you, and, and he's played really well. Um, didn't have to make a save in the, in, in the shootout most recently, uh, but that that's a different question. 
it, it's just there's there's not a single guy on that back line where you kind of go, they don't have the experience. And then you bring in Kobe Henry, who doesn't have the experience, and he has the right guys around him to, to see him through tougher moments. Richard Chaplow is the first to say, and Braden Cloutier said it earlier, um, we wouldn't put him on the field if we didn't think he was good enough. Then you've got a US U, you know, U twenty there. Jonathan Gomez, you know, he's probably the young player of the year going to Real Sociedad from from Louisville. You know, realistically, you're talking a guy who's had the same kind of impact on the inside for Orange County that Gomez had on the outside for Louisville. So, you know, in a year or two, you know, there's a lot of depth in those positions right now. You have to think he's he's going to be a, a center back starting in a pro league at 18, 19 years old. That's incredible. So it, it's just a, a really complimentary group, whether it's Richards or Kasipley or Alston in wide areas, any of those three. I almost wish they could play a three back effectively. I don't think Alston gives you that from a wing back position, but it, it's awesome, man, really. It, it's a good defense. So I'm going to hand it off to uh, one, the, the man that started this podcast with me, Dylan. I don't know, Dylan, do you have any questions for Mike uh, uh, regarding any of the previous matches or this upcoming match? Um, I might be jumping ahead of schedule here, but Mike, uh, who, who's winning on Sunday night? And uh, who is scoring the winning goal? <laughs> he went straight to the, to, the, to the big question there. I like that, Dylan. Oh. Um, as ESPN's commentator for this game, I have to say uh, I can't answer that. Here's what I will say. Um, I think two goals or less, it's an Orange County win. I think three goals or more in the game, I think Tampa Bay wins. Um, I think Oloski for Orange County is the biggest wild card for me. Um, I I mentioned it on Three Honest Lads with with Devin. This is dropping later in the week, but here's sneak preview. I don't know that there's a player on that roster who's more intent on taking guys on and can individually unbalance a team that almost never loses their balance. Iloski can also have a really bad game where he just gets locked down, whether it's, you know, Guillen or it's on the other side, Scarlet, wherever they decide to line him up in the moment, he could very easily have a bad game, but I think he could potentially make Tampa Bay a bit uneasy for the Rowdies. Legitimately, they have five guys who can score the winner. If the winner's in the first half, your your money's on Guinzotti. If the winner's in the 80th minute, your your money's on Dos Santos. If the winner's in the 90th minute, your money's on Lucky. And at any point, it could be Adebayo Smith or it could be uh, you know, right down the line, Leo Fernandez or it's Hilton coming out of midfield and Steinberger out of midfield. Like, I, I to, to pick one person on the Rowdies who's going to score the winner almost feels like you're, you know, grasping at straws because legitimately it's been somebody different every day and they have a 22-goal scorer and we're still saying it could be anybody any given day. I love it. And I also hate that you can't answer. Oh no 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 <laughs> no! That's no, a no, problem no. I have with your boss, and not you. So, so I, I'll I'll let you in on this. Um, we we have Pickham every week, and last year a team whose identity I personally still do not know reached out to the league and said I didn't pick them, but I was calling their game within the last week or two prior, which covers like eleven or fifteen teams. 
<laughs> and they made me Kirk Herbstreet it and stop picking the games I was calling. So I was doing like three out of five every week because I'm calling half the games in the league. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Dylan, if you have another question, if not, well, let me let, let Brad uh, ask a question here. <laughs> Go for it, Brad. All right. So you, you did mention you do call a lot of games for the league. What type of preparation goes into each one of those games? Because I can't imagine, you know, you finish a game, you probably get 30 minutes, 45 minutes in between games to reset and go again. What kind of preparation do you have to do in advance for all of those? Yeah, to properly call a game, um, I, I'm trying to see if I've got one on the table because I might be able to answer this a little more effectively. I think I do. Uh, yeah, this is Memphis and Louisville, and I'm not sure how well you can see this, but that's my Louisville board. So it's sort of all the information about individual players, statistics, um, you know, sort of what the team has been up to. Um, top line on this for me is like quick hitters, seven unbeaten. Um, you know, Gomez was was out for that game. I, I can't remember why. Um, highlight the starters and then cross guys out as they come off the field. Um, 05 and 3 when they concede first. Uh, six players with 150 appearances. Six years, six Eastern Conference Finals, 22 and 1 in home knockout games. So when, when, when we say these things, we, yeah, yeah, ain't that the truth? Um, it's, and, and what's frustrating is, is Michael Orozco, Orozco, which is it? I know that sounds really minuscule, but this is something we ask all the time. And we'll have different teams or even the same PR guy from one week to the next. And I'm not talking about Chad specifically, um, who, who says definitively it's a Roscoe. Um, but, you know, we, we've had this issue a bunch. And I'll, I'll actually say Nazmi Albadawi was out in the East for a long time he's on tape saying his name, but another announcer said he spoke to Nazmi's dad who says, he says Al-Badawi. So Al-Badawi, Al-Badawi, which one is it? So, you know, pronunciations, uh, usually we get 30 minutes with each coach on the phone, uh, go through tactics from last game. You know, usually if we say we think something's coming, it's usually because the coach probably let us in on it. That, you know, Devin is a little more loose with sort of his interpretation, but um, it, no, it's it's a labor intensive thing. You're trying to watch minimum highlights, but really more you want to watch at least a half for the full last game. Um, you you want to be aware of where everyone is this game, what they're doing last game and what their career looks like. Um, we get good game notes from teams that helps. And um you know, in, in a really busy week, um, you know, I'm calling six, seven, eight, nine games. Um, during Gold Cup, I'm calling something like 12 games in a week. Um, just not a lot of time for sleep and a lot of planning out ahead of time. I, I think Brad has one more question, but I have a quick question for you. Did you are, have you ever called a match on autopilot where you just, you just like you just had no time, you've been busy, and you're just you're just going through the motions and you're just calling that match? Uh, and you don't have to admit it if you don't want to. No. But I, I just imagine being that busy with 12 matches in a week. There has to be some times where you're just like in this autopilot. I'm just going to say the generic uh, portions of this match because I just 
my brain's dead. Yeah, uh, Chad, sorry about that. I genuinely wasn't calling you out. You're fine. Uh, someone in Hartford told us it was Dewey, and then he comes to Orange County, and it's just Dew. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, here's a little inside baseball, and I hope no one actually goes back and looks. Uh, at the tail end of uh, May or beginning of June, my laptop died. Just died. Um, truth of the matter, an energy drink exploded my bag. Um, it was sleeping, but wasn't powered off. And everything that was up at the time I closed my laptop was corrupted. So what's that mean? I had coach notes. I, um, Louisville, Orange County are the two teams I had most this year in the league. And I, I think I had 27 or 29 of the teams um louisville i have 35 notes 35 pages of notes from danny cruz over the course of the year it is individual games i'll look back at what he said about jonathan gomez in may and compare it to what he said in october and and look for commonality and lack thereof um so the louisville orange county notes were fried um my boards were fried it's an excel file it's a hundred tabs i make a new one for every game for each team the the week after that let's just say i wrote down the lineup on a sheet of paper in formation and ran with what i knew about the guys it happened on a Friday night, and for the, like the next week, I was playing from behind or using boards I had in my email if I was lucky from a month prior. So autopilot, not ever on purpose. <laughs> but there, there were some games this year where I literally had the, game, the, the, the two teams listed formationally and just let it rip for, 20, uh, for, for two hours. We'll have to get you introduced to, to Google Sheets. It's a neat uh, thing it, where it, it just cloud doesn't saves work it. right, it man. Doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, it ain't doesn't. right. I, I, I do finance. I, I'm on Excel all the time. And when I try and go to Google Sheets, it's a little bit weird doing some of that. So, so I get that. I, I, I use pivot tables and stuff in, in my boards. I, I, I got a finance degree at Fordham. That was the backup plan. And it may still well be. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a finance background that made my boards. Oh yeah. If you're, if your finance background, Excel is your thing. Cause you're, you're doing everything in there. Uh, Brad, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. You had one no, more you're question. Good. So I'll make this one quick since I don't want to take too much time, but, uh, I got time, let it rip. Let's okay, do this. Well, the podcast isn't made of uh, two hours. No, I, you guys I, don't I have to ask you everything. Um, this, is the, but... this is now officially the Mike watch show. I mean, we're, we're no, just... no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, when, when I can fan girl, I'll fan girl here. Okay. Um, so You've been calling games in the league for as far as long as I can remember. Um, so you've seen a lot of players come in and out. Uh, give me a top three of your favorite players to call games for over your time of covering the USL championship. Wow. Oh, that's tough. Got to pull up that fried, the, the, those fried. The, uh, I know the boards, the they're data. gone. <laughs> um. Cameron Lancaster can score from anywhere. I, I think that's awesome. Is that a ton of man? That's a ton of man, right? It, it, it is. I mean, for literally one game. <laughs> he was literally a Tottenham man for one game. Um, I, I grew up playing FIFA with Chelsea exclusively, and I, I still support Chelsea. So to have Drogba 
on my radio show to call his final professional game and his final professional goal. Sorry, Orange County. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that, I mean, that's always going to be mind blowing to me. Um, and, and then, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of guys, uh, Aiden Quinn. Um, I I've always had so much respect. I know. Um, I, I love these at the bottom. This is great. Um, <laughs> distracting. I know. <laughs> um gosh uh, uh, Niall McCabe um in in Louisville um Iose in Indy uh Gwenzotti I have so much respect for Forrest Lasso uh Canardo Forbes is in that mix so like it it depends on the day I, truthfully you know anyone who's a little creative a little bit different um, it doesn't have to be a big name. Uh, there, there are some real weird guys that I just have an affinity for that, that I really can't like truly place. <laughs> I want, I want to give an opportunity to, uh, Matt, who's just been hanging out, uh, listening to all this amazing stuff from the Tampa side of things. If you have a question for Mike, uh, before we get into the, the breakdown of these matches and the, the preview here. Oh gosh. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just kind of laughing because I actually, uh, after I talked with John this afternoon, I, I was on the phone for a little while with Devin, just having a little one-on-one chat, uh, talking about this weekend coming up. Uh, I was curious actually when you, uh, when they asked you about the, the preparation, cause I've seen other announcers, uh, I think mostly premier league guys with the, uh, the ubiquitous like Manila folder, everything. Is that it, it, like, where do you guys get that from? Is that someone, is that something you saw from somewhere else or is that, something that's just kind of passed along to is that like the uh the secret handshake of uh, of announcers there yeah so everyone has spotting boards that's that's standard arlo white tweets all of his out before his premier league matches so i'm sure everyone's seen those they all do it in stickers and they all watched footy since soccer football whatever right um since they were the wee lads i grew up in cleveland Okay, I, I watched the Browns. I watched the 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 Guardians, the Guardians, yep. uh, and and the Cavaliers, and so that's my background. I, I've become way more aware. I I I I think back to talking to Bob Lilly at the 2015 final, and I am embarrassed. Like I knew nothing. That was my first pro game. Was the 2015 final in Rochester uh, against Galaxy Two, um, ever. Uh, so jumped right in, uh, to the final and then obviously been around a lot since, but I, I spend a ton of time talking to coaches to get it better. But for me, okay. Uh, ball gets lumped forward into the box. I'm not looking at, is he a center back or is he a forward? I'm seeing a number. Mm -hmm. If, if I can't ID the player off their face or some identifying characteristic, I'm looking for a number. So that's why I do mine numerically. Um, but everyone sort of has the same basic stuff on their board. I, I've got, you know, random notes about individual players. I mean, um, you know, where they came from and what former coaches said. And, you know, Napo Masoso, he's 9,000 miles from his home. I even have – it came from, I think, the Louisville Courier-Journal because I, I wrote that down to shout out the newspaper. So, um you know, it, we're all trying to find the same info and, and make these guys personable and make you understand them a little bit better and where they come from and why they're good or, or you know, why they're new to this position or this team. Um, but I, I just sort of lay mine out a little differently. But, yeah, it's it's basically everyone's got a board that that's that that is the handshake agreement. OK, cool. 
And and I know John, you know, it seems like Mike's already ready to hire you, but I don't know if you have a question for Mike uh, uh, pertaining to this. Please don't match embarrass or... me. Oh no, I was gonna go just way tame with it. And um, what's your favorite place to call a game in this league? Oh man, that's ironic. Um, I, so and and people may or may not know this. Uh, USL has a centralized facility in Fort Lauderdale. I I have been to the finals and that's it. So I've I I've scoped out St. Uh, St. Pete. I've I've scoped out Al Lang. I've never been in Orange County ever. I, I've called fifty games and I love doing it, but I have never been there. Um, think of where the finals have been: Rochester, uh, Red Bull Two, uh, Louisville, Louisville, Louisville canceled <laughs> that's so that's where i've been so i i guess um ironically i'd say it was rochester <laughs> that first uh, ever <laughs> straight at midfield no window um it like the the vantage point was perfection that that's the big thing for me we're calling this game think about al lang <laughs> um <laughs> i i live in new york it, did I continue the trend? Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, like, it, it's it's obviously a former baseball stadium that's been converted. The broadcast booth is still in the corner. So, I, even within that game, I'm going to be watching sort of how the lines come together and watch tactics that way. And when the ball gets to my end, I'll call it that way. Um, but. I'll be looking at the monitor when the ball's all the way down by the scoreboard end because it's it's away from us. I, I don't know what the old school FIFA games were like, but I remember like the old school like NBA and Madden games. It was at like that that corner angle of the match. So I can just picture that type of style when you're calling the match there from uh, the baseball stadium. So uh, that'll be interesting because, yeah, you're not going to be able to see some of those key plays on the opposite side of the pitch. And obviously you're not going to be able to see if anything looks like it was offside or not. You're going to be uh, – relying heavily on the ARs for some of those things instead of your actual vision, unless the camera gets a great angle. Yeah. So the good news is, is I think we've got eight or 10 cameras. We've got cameras right on the 18s. So that's going to help us a, a bunch in terms of IDing those things that we don't typically have in a, in a normal USL game across the league. Um, you know, that's, that's part of the investment the league makes when you get to the final. Um, but I call games at Yankee Stadium for NYCFC, so I've I've had a baseball stadium before. Um, uh, I I was just in Mexico for the Champions League final. That was the coolest atmosphere I've ever ever been in. I, I called um, uh, Jamaica beating Mexico at the Rose Bowl. I mean that that was such an awesome experience. Like I, I'm not hurting for for great venues, but within the league, I. I I would say I want to see Louisville because it's such a, a well-established point shooting down. Um, Colorado Springs, I, I'd like to call a game there at, at their new stadium. Orange County is is apparently right down the middle. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's some venues I, I, I can't wait to get to because I'm going to be here forever. <laughs> well, it's good to hear because I know people love hearing your voice on the calls. I, I know Orange County fans love it, and apparently – uh, around the world now, we're hearing some some things when uh, 
people have seen some highlights with your voice on it that they're enjoying it. Um, Dylan, I want to let you ask what we normally would ask the players on our show, the, the, the famous question to Mike Watts, and then we'll, we'll move on. Beautiful. Um, Mike, what is your favorite vegetable and how do you prepare it? Oh, if this is not a body built by veggies, that's okay. You, you understand what I'm saying? You, you usually ask that to players. You don't ask this to guys who weigh a hundred pounds more than they should. If they were playing this beautiful game. Um, Oh man. It's just, it's just deep fried vegetables is what causes that. Right? Yeah, that's true enough. Uh, I, I, on it, I love cauliflower. I know that's a off the wall one. Um, in, in any format, I'll eat cauliflower. Um, I, I love Brussels sprouts, roasted Brussels sprouts are delicious. Um, I actually love veggies. It's fruit. I don't like, but I will literally <laughs> eat any veggie anyway. I, I, I think I'm, I'm really very vegetable driven. Come to think of it. So that, that should be the name when you, when you do your memoir, I'll eat vegetables anyway. That, that should be the name for Mike Watts memoir right there when he. Yeah, I've decided it's going to be uh, a series of very fortunate events. It's a total cop off, like most of my calls, of something that already exists and was a bestseller. There we go. Yeah, but is changed marginally for me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, you know, Mike, you're allowed to hang out as long as you want with us, but I know it's it's pretty late. John has to hang out with us contractually. We've told him, and, and same <laughs> with uh, Matt. We told him he has to hang out with us, but by all means, if you have to head out. Do so, Mike, but hang out as long as you want with us. Uh, we're going to get into talking about some of these matches and then previewing what's coming up here. Yeah, so uh, it's a freckle past the hair past my bedtime here. I am going to ask one question of all of you. How many have had Iron Brew? One? You know, the, you, and the, 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 thing, the, the thing that's disappointing, at least for Dylan and myself, is they were selling it at the stadium a, uh, a couple matches ago, uh, right before the playoffs started. And I meant to go buy some, and I just totally forgot. I got to, um, I, I was, I think, three or four margaritas deep, so I forgot all about the Iron Brew. So Andy did, and and Matt obviously has. One word to describe Iron Brew, because I'm preparing this for the broadcast. Neil Collins calls it liquid gold. Um, my producer, who's from England, calls it, yeah, well, it calls it liquid diabetes. But liquid cotton candy as well. Uh, you guys have one so I can add this to my list or nah? Uh, I, I mean, diabetes was going to be my go-to, but there, there's, it's kind of a, a trick question because Neil Collins will tell you this. He's told us this before too. Uh, the kind you get off the shelf in Publix in Florida is not the same thing as what he's accustomed yeah, to. Yeah. Mexican Coke is different than, come yeah. on. So I, I I have not tried the other. He dropped off a, a six pack with uh, with Rouse Mob last year, and, and those who have tried it said there is a difference. Uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah, literally, it's it's bright orange and it does taste like cotton candy. I, there's no there's no getting around that. But uh, I, I have one ready to go on on Sunday just in case. Okay. Well, uh, appreciate you guys. And I, I, yeah, it's after midnight here, so my wife is probably not not over the moon that I'm here. <laughs> well, we appreciate uh, your time, Mike. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, you can catch Mike and Devin on the call uh, this Sunday on ESPN. Uh, and I believe it'll also be syndicated on uh, Sirius XM. Their, uh, what is it? I forget what the channel's called, Mike. Go for it. Isn't it at the bottom? Uh, Sirius XM FC channel 157. 
Yeah, we have we have the little scroller covering up the maybe what the name of the channel is. I don't know. But no. ladies and gentlemen, oh, it wasn't there. <laughs> uh, but support the league, support Mike and Devin and all the everyone that's working hard to give you these uh, play by plays, the the and the matches. Uh, we appreciate it and we're looking forward to a great call on Sunday, Mike. Thanks, y'all. Can't wait to to see many of you uh, at the stadium, or uh, hopefully we can bring it to you elsewhere. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Let's get into this. Let's. We gotta. I knew we were potentially getting Mike on the show. I didn't know for sure, so I didn't like blast it out to everyone. So it was a great surprise today. Um, and I honestly didn't know what time he'd jump on the show if he did. So that was awesome to get him on first thing. And that's also why I scheduled this show. And I, I plan on it being a little bit longer than our typical show. Uh, but we're going to talk about these matches that happened this past Saturday. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Tampa Bay Louisville match uh, because that was the match that occurred first in the schedule. And let's just talk about this. Uh, I'm going to go to you. Uh, first, let me ask you, is it, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? Uh, Matt's fine. All right, Matt. Um, how crazy was that end of regulation? Uh, and what were, what was going on in the stands there at Alang stadium? So I, I, I don't know if you, uh, if you were watching, I, I know you are able to, you know, draw people in and out of the studio while you're playing your, your intro video and they're showing the highlights. I'm over here. Like, standing up in my chair again when uh when, when lucky scores the equalizer uh it, it, it was nuts i mean you know we come into this game within within like 23 25 minutes we're down two goals uh and it, it wasn't I, and no offense to louisville like they're a great team they were in the final for a reason but it didn't feel like we were two goals down you know they, they hadn't had a ton of chances they didn't really have a ton of chances all game uh, there was a, a very well-designed set piece and then uh, an unfortunate own goal from Forrest Lasso. And I, I always felt like if we could get one back that we'd get back into it. I just didn't think the, it was going to take until the 83rd minute to get one back. Uh, and so as time kind of drags on in the second half, you know, the, the confidence starts to, to, to slip away a little bit. Uh, Lucky M. Kasana gets subbed on and, and he's had this reputation the last year or so. Uh, especially last year in the playoffs of just coming off the bench and, and scoring. And I looked to the guy next to me when he subbed on and I'm like, well, there's two goals and an assist. And and I don't know that I, how much I really believed it, but I said it trying to speak it into existence. Uh, and he got credited for two goals. And I feel very strongly it should have been a third because when the ball crosses the line, that's where it's supposed to be. The ARs that we were talking about, Mike relying on, uh, I think let lucky down a little bit, but that's, uh, that's neither here nor there anymore. Um, it was wild. I mean, we, we've got a brand new uh, standing section in, right behind the goal, which is where I was. It's the first time it's been able really to be, to be used. Uh, there's a, a good shot of me actually lucky reposted it. Uh, the, the section I was in where I look about three feet taller than everybody around me because I'm actually standing on the railing behind me and I'm just, it's, it's screaming. There's a, everybody and their mother has posted their video from different spots of the stadium of the equalizer. And there's a guy out there who took all of them and kind of spliced them together uh, in, in kind of time order off to find it and retweet it. And it's just, it's amazing. Like to have that stadium packed like that, you know, this year hasn't been a thing because of COVID regulations and uh, you know, tons of midweek games, but to have 7,200 people in there just losing their mind is in, was unbelievable. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, another big crowd this weekend. There, there are not very many tickets left, and uh, it's going to be a fun night. So going back to that that equalizer, though, I mean, that had to have been probably the longest 30 seconds of, of all, all of Tampa Bay 
Rouse mob, fandom, whatever, because that ball was bouncing. That ball hit every single person that was on that pitch, it seems like, before it, it finally hit uh, Lucky's uh, head and got into the back of the net there. I mean, how how was what was the, what was the emotions going through? Uh, just tell tell us what fans were probably feeling every time that ball bounced off someone's foot, head, chest, uh, whatever other body parts were being thrown out there, uh, and, and, and in that moment. Well, so at that point, you know, the referee had, had the the the, uh, the the fourth official had signaled a minimum of four minute stoppage time, and and so we started a, a timer just to check and see. Uh, and this was, you know, the goal goes in at like five minutes and 12 seconds of stoppage. So for the last like 45 seconds to a minute of that, it, it's been like, this is it. This is it. This is it. The whistle's coming any second. Now this is it. And then, yeah, it, it keeps bouncing around. It's bouncing around. Uh, there's a shot deflected. There's, you know, a shot saved. Uh, at one point it goes out to Aaron Guillen. And one of the things we've, everyone's kind of noticed and commented on is Guillen, you know, in a, in a pretty good spot, instead of taking the shot, kicks it back over uh, to Forrest Lasso, who then heads it back across to Lucky M. Kasana. And literally this shot you're watching right now, there's a cameraman in white uh, to the left of the goal. And watch him when this ball comes over from Lasso. Oh, I think it's, I think it stopped. The ball comes over from Lasso and you can see Lucky is, is totally unmarked to open. The, the cameraman is celebrating before Lucky even gets his head on the ball. And the place literally explodes. Like we've watched the video so many times, not just for the 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 actual goal. There he is. There he's celebrating. Uh, but just for the sound of everyone screaming when the goal goes in. It's I uh, I, I was I was at the stadium in 2012 when they won the NASL championship after overcoming a, a two nil deficit on uh, in the second leg on aggregate and then giving up another goal and then going to stoppage playing the entire stoppage time, a man down and then winning on penalties when uh, now Portland's goalkeeper, Jeff Atnellis saves like three out of five of them. And and to me, that had always been the best game I'd ever seen in my life. And uh, like that night we were all like, Nope, this is it. This is the best game we've ever seen. And in reality, it's the best, you know, seven minutes of regulation plus stoppage because up until then we hadn't done a whole lot offensively. Uh, let me go to you, John. Uh, is there any tactics behind that final 30 second uh, flurry for a goal there? Or is that just all, I mean, it's, you're just running off of instinct there and it's just, everyone's just all over the place. And anything you see in those moments that you're like, well, that is what they meant to do there. <laughs> well, I think you can sort of look at things from the Louisville perspective and just fault the broader approach. They got them to that point where they just kept bunkering deeper and deeper putting on those defensive subs, sitting in and not really playing the game in a typically Louisville sort of way. And it caught, it got them on edge at the end where if you have to keep defending, that's tiring. And so, yeah, I think that contributed to the fact that they couldn't clear the ball for anything. And I mean, you saw what happened as a result. And, and I'm going to just sort of uh, call this out. Cause I was doing actually a live stream with Devin Kerr, on the on my way to Championship Soccer Stadium, that was probably roughly around six fifteen our time, so that would have been around nine fifteen uh, out there in Tampa Bay. And he we we were talking. And he was he was like, yeah, it's looking like it's going to be Louisville, uh, you know, hosting the the championship here. So I, I think I got to the same thing. Oh yeah, Louisville's got this, you know, because I kept checking the score and it's late later later in the match, um, you know. So I, I, I'm still amazed that Tampa pulled that off. Uh, it's one of those 
awesome like this is something your you, Hollywood scripts would be written on right is like this late 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 goal um to pull that off um what uh is there anything else you guys noticed and I'll, I'll just I'll just throw it out to both of you whoever wants to jump on anything else you all noticed in this match that is a positive for Tampa heading into this this championship based on what you saw against Louisville uh, in facing Orange County so the, the 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 kind of big thing to me and I, I actually I pulled up on my other screen over looking at, at some stats to see uh, and I'll confess I I don't know a ton of Western Conference and I, I honestly don't know much of anything I, I mean at this point in the playoffs, I recognize Damus's name because I've heard it a couple times. I, you know, we watched the penalty kicks uh, at the bar across the street from the stadium afterwards, and I remember watching. I think the the round before too. Um, the one thing that the Rowdies' defense has done, uh, and, and uh, Mike mentioned Cameron Lancaster. Uh, Lancaster was was just behind Sebastian Guenzotti in goals this year. Well, he had no shots at all in the game. Uh, the week before against, uh, against Birmingham, Nico Brett, who had 18 goals this season, had one shot on target the entire game. Uh, the week before that against Tulsa, uh, their, their, their only, their lone forward, Rodrigo da Costa had, uh, I think one or two shots on target. They've defensively, even being out a starter, like our, our back line has all three have started the entire season. And then last game, Jordan Scarlett's out. Uh, and, and, and Jordan Doherty takes in your subs in and, and, and not his natural position. I, I was concerned about not necessarily his, his ability, but just the lack of chemistry on the back line because he hasn't played back there with those uh, other two guys. Uh, you know, but they completely took Lancaster out of the game. Um, the, the goal from own is, is off a, a very clever set piece that, uh, they are still able to do this. And, and one of the things, and John and I talked about this earlier, you know, I've been watching this Rowdy's team since they came back into existence, you know, 10, 11 years ago. There have been years before where they get down a goal or two and you could tell from the body language that they their confidence is gone, that they're mentally almost checked out. This team this year, and, and we kind of saw it a little bit last year, but this year they don't do that. They will keep fighting until the last second. And I think that's one of the reasons I still like wasn't panicking even at 83 minutes and we hadn't scored a goal yet. Uh, I, am not going to lie and sit here and tell you, I, that we were, that I predict, predicted we were going to come back and win that game, uh, until lucky scores the equalizer at that point, the game was tied, but everybody knew even the Louisville players, you could see it on their faces that it was, it was going to go to Tampa Bay eventually. Um, but until that final whistle blows, I, I, I won't believe anything is, is impossible. So, um, I'll ask you, John, do you agree sort of what Matt is saying there about, uh, the, I guess, staunch defense there in, uh, uh, yeah, from Tampa Bay. And, uh, you know, I like to s- look at it though, is, is if, if Tampa Bay is shutting down Ronaldo Damas, the, the cool thing that we've seen as of recent from Richard Chaplow is he's willing to bring on, uh, offensive firepower. He, you know, we've seen it the last couple of matches bringing on, uh, and of Olsen, who is a, still a very potent player there on offense. Ugo Coley, we've seen Darwin Jones hit in there. Seth Kasipley come on, who can be uh, a little bit of a positive force for orange County. Um, how does that, uh, impact you know that assessment from that uh, you know if orange county can bring in some really strong offensive firepower late matches if they're shutting down domus who's like the the speedster and then you bring in some told you know and if Olson's different U- ugo coley's different um how does that work against uh tampa bay's defense yeah so i th- i mean the thing with tampa is the back three formation and the solidity the communication that you get within that system where 
if you have Adamas making a really clever run, if he picks up the ball and is going at someone with pace, there's three players to manage that. Somebody can step up to him, and you've got two more guys back there to save the day if something goes awry, which it rarely does because these Tampa players are ridiculously good at the back. And I think, interestingly, the way that Orange County played against uh, San Antonio, who runs with a similar sort of back three system, was really to drive play from the midfield, have Eric Calvillo get players involved, have him try to suck in those center backs, get the focus on him, launch Oloski, Kuningas from there. And then later in the game, you saw Inavoldson, Okoli come in, sort of playing off Damas, uh, dropping a little deeper, again, trying to suck those center backs forward so you're getting more space for the pace, the finishing of Damas. And I think in that sense that Orange County can really come at you with those different looks. I expect them to start with the typical Calvillo at the number 10 spot, but I do think that if things go a little bit haywire, you're going to see some earlier substitutions and some different looks from Orange County here. Uh, so you sort of helped transition here because let's talk about this Orange County-San Antonio match uh, before we actually start really getting into the the, the meat of the uh, final. Um, I'm going to really call out really quick because last week, John, you mentioned that you thought San Antonio would win, but if Orange County could score first and score early, that would put them in a good position. And also, I like I said, I spoke with Devin Kerr uh, prior to the match, we did a, a little quick stream, and he mentioned that uh, apparently San Antonio is very good if they score within the first 35 minutes of a match. They like were maybe undefeated or only one loss and 15 wins or something like that. Uh, and again, Orange County didn't allow San Antonio to score in those first 35 minutes. I think uh, I was manning the Twitter uh, and tweeted that out. Uh, so props to both you and uh, Devin, you knew your stuff. You know, you called out those numbers and and it in fact happened. Orange County pulls out the victory. Um, let me go to you really quick, Dylan. You were in the stands. You were right there in the thick of things with Counterline Coalition. I want to just ask you about the atmosphere in the stadium. I, I was there also, and I feel like this was the most atmosphere, like the most just amazing crowd that we've seen at the cha- at, at Championship Soccer Stadium, at least since I've been attending these matches. What was your thought on that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I feel like 2018 was a little bit more like, let's see Jogbo one last time um, for people here. Um, excuse me. And um, this one, it seemed like people were maybe a little bit more interested in the actual uh, in the actual game. Um, the trade-off of that is like it takes forever to park and they might run out of beer um, and like the bathroom is a nightmare um, and then you've got uh, someone blowing up a Vizela for most of the match. Um, were y'all but, aware of the fact that the announcers were calling out how quiet it was? Yeah, I saw someone on Twitter mention that, um, and I just had to assume that whoever did the liking uh, of the stadium maybe didn't do the best job because it was pretty loud and pretty involved. Um, let me let me really quick jump on. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I did speak with uh, with someone in the front office, and I, I mentioned that we need to figure out a way to put some more mics around the field because it, it was definitely loud in the stadium. Um, so if it's not heard on the stream, it's, it's just the lack of, of microphones picking up that, that ambiance around. So I'm, I, I've, I've volunteered my services to try and help figure out a way to solve that. Cause I think that needs to be heard, but yeah, that, uh, Vuvuzela or whatever those things are called. That was uh, pretty darn that that's, uh, what 2010, that's a 2010 thing. Let's leave it there. That's oh, a 2010 thing. Yeah. No, yeah, I can echo, uh, what, uh, Ray said about, and Dylan has said about the atmosphere, uh, 
I went to the Colorado uh, Springs matchup, and it was pretty loud there too. Um, and I think it really just has to do with the camera placement. I think they only place the camera and the microphone with the camera, and you'll get a couple, a couple of uh, fan interactions from underneath the camera, and a lot of player interactions, and then you'll hear the band that the team employs off on the uh, far sideline. But they don't put mics around the stadium, especially that supporter section, which uh, when they're at their busiest, like they are in that image there, you know, it's loud over there. Well, that the, the bleachers are always the loudest part of the stadium. Mm-hmm. Go, Dylan. Finish whatever thought you were trying to get through there. Man, I thought's long gone. <laughs> um, let me let me Sorry. ask you really quick. One more thing about what was going on with the crowd there um, is I, this was the first time, at least that I can remember, that a group outside of Caroline Coalition started a chant and Caroline Coalition joined in. I think it was just something simple like "Let's go County" or "Let's go OC" or something like mm-hmm. that. But I thought that was pretty cool to see that you had. Regular fans starting chants, and, and of course, Caroline Coalition is willing to jump in in there, anything to get the, the noise going in that stadium. That was pre- a pretty cool moment, in my opinion. What was your thoughts on that? It was great. Um, it was also great to see, I think for like the second or third week in a row, seeing um, what we might refer to as a little more casual of fans, um, but just people along the sides, not necessarily in, in the supporter section just absolutely riding the ref or riding the other team um, after like a blown call or a bad tackle, um, which is truly amazing to see like, Oh, people care. Um, And that only, that only spells good things for us moving forward as a club. uh, Cause it feels like it's not always been, it's definitely not always been a thing where people have cared and, and it's, not always seemed like more people were going to care. And now we're at the point where uh, you've got random people <laughs> screaming I, I, expletives at players and officials. So we've I think it. it's getting there, Dylan. I think it's getting there. We've made it. Yeah. Uh, I brought a, I, I convinced uh, one of my fellow youth soccer coaches to bring his team out. And it was like 35 tickets they bought. And I went and spoke to them at halftime. Like just the families, not even the coach. The coach was like out getting drinks or bathroom or something like that. And they were saying, yeah, th- we got to do this more often. So, um, I, I definitely see that the, the, the fandom growing here in Orange County um, and heading the same. Let me go to you really quick, Brad, your thoughts. Uh, you know, this match ended in a one, one draw after 120 minutes goes to PKs. And was there a benefit for Orange County having gone through this just a week earlier that helps out? Um, or is this still just all pretty much pure luck at that point? You know, uh, my one takeaway from watching, you know, another week of uh, an extra 30 minutes of uh, free soccer is Orange County's conditioning is a lot better than a lot of those teams that they have played in uh, the postseason so far. Uh, Colorado, they didn't go to extra time, but uh, against Oakland, Oakland had a bunch of players cramping, but San Antonio, I felt like at least half their team was cramping up. You know, they showed a picture of the sideline. Um, and this one lovely uh, Twitter account I follow uh, made a graphic for Banana Man. Uh, I think he might be in this call. Um, John made a fantastic graphic about Banana Man. But Orange County's players, when you put them side by side on camera, uh, are standing there. They're tired, obviously. They're playing 120 minutes of soccer. But they're not getting stretched out. You know, I think... San Antonio had four or five players on the ground and they looked like they were prepared for stuff like this, you know, bananas and granola bars and uh, 
Gatorade definitely comes in handy, especially after a long time like that. I mean, it had to be frustrating. Um, maybe I, I know Orange County fans were fresh, quite frustrated. There had to have been like maybe like 15 minutes of, you know, cramp, you know, stop the play, stretch out players. There was uh, maybe one or two players that did it multiple times. All right. I don't know what our producer was doing there. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, but um, let me let me just ask, you know, I don't know, uh, Matt, were you staying up late to watch this PK shootout? Uh, and if you stayed up that late, what were your thoughts on seeing all these San Antonio players, uh, you know, going down in extra time with these cramps and stuff like that? Uh, so, uh, yeah, I was over at, a, at Corrigan's across streets, a little little bar that the uh, that Ralph's Mob, the the main or the original supporters group, will uh, gather at before games. Uh, actually, we're doing our show live there tomorrow night. Uh, which is going to be a nice little fun setup. Hopefully we threw it together in like two days. So we're going to, we're going to find out. Um, so we were actually over there celebrating. I mean, some of the players stopped by uh, some, you know, some of the Louisville fans who came over and were hanging out there as well too. Uh, we actually, so as soon as the, as soon as the, the Rowdies game ended, we were uh, kind of lingering around in the stadium a little bit. Someone had the game open on the phone. I think it was still first half and, uh, and I forget who it was that scored first, uh, but we like I, I think I think it was Orange County scored first, uh, and it was right around then. And then we started packing up and, and heading over uh, across the street to the bar. And then I hung out there a little bit longer than I intended because next thing I knew it was going into penalty. So I didn't actually get any I didn't see any of the extra time, and I was just getting ready to leave. And someone started started shouting, "It's going to penalty! It's going to penalty!" So turned around, went back in, and, and watched that. Um, so well, I mean, we'll see. I, that's we've we've won a championship on penalties before, and I've seen uh, the prep that the team has put into getting the keepers prepared for penalties. Uh, they, they tweeted out some of the stuff now, you know, about ten years later, uh, showing what you know what they were the info they were giving to the keepers and, and how they uh, how they got them ready. So, uh, you know, personally, after going through that game with Louisville, I, I would prefer not to have another game that goes to extra time and penalties because. Uh, it took me a couple, like literally I'm, I, I teach middle school for a living. I'm very happy to be off this entire week so that, uh, I did not have to try and use my voice. Um, and also because then I didn't want any of my students being at the stadium, hearing the things that I was also shouting at some of the referees because what can I ask you what, what subject it is that you teach? Uh, eighth grade U S history, mostly. Okay. Okay. I was of all weeks for Alan to, to be missing in action. Cause he's. Uh, a regular on our show, and he's uh, a, a middle school teacher as well. He does band. It, but, I, it feels like everybody, like so many soccer fans are just teachers. And and we, I actually was talking about it with uh, someone a couple of years ago. And it's, uh, we decided it's just because there's so many tournaments and things in the summer when we're around to watch them <laughs> that that's the reason why there's so many teachers. Like I jokingly go. started a a, a a supporters group just it was called Teachers Union. Because I know so many teachers that come to Rowdy's games. I bring some from work with me, and uh, it, it's it's you know it exists in name only, but it's a it's an interesting thing. Um, let me ask you this, John. Uh, I'm sure you saw a lot of the, the cramping up going on from some of these San Antonio players. Uh, in your opinion, was this tactical from San Antonio trying to just kill, milk the clock a little bit and get to PKs, or is this probably something more of a concern where? They weren't as fit as the Orange County players out there. As far as you could tell, just watching. I, I know that's hard uh, just watching on TV and not actually talking to the players or finding out what was going on, but just what your thoughts are. 
No, I think it's partially a function of their style. I mean, the core of their game is a very space-centric, hard-pressing, lots of running back and forth. I mean, if you think about the mileage that Jose Gallegos and Marcus Epps has to cover just because of the way that they play, they're naturally going to get really tired out. And in that sort of 120-minute kind of game, hot weather, naturally you're going to get worn down by the end of that thing. So I, I do think that there was a certain tactical element for some of the guys, but I think a lot of it was just genuine kind of bodies collapsing there. Do, do, do San Antonio need to uh, invest more in bananas and, and the whatnot to help them out in that? Or is that just, uh, what do you think of that, that becoming a thing now is banana man on the sidelines for Orange County. Is that uh, interesting or what? I will say on that real quick that like bananas are genuinely a really good thing for recovery. So credit to whoever's idea it was to stock that on the bench, but yeah. Perfect. Um, let me ask, uh, I'm going to go to uh, our, let me go to Dylan because you're the, the longest tenured fan out of the group here for Orange County. Thoughts on Gnarly, the uh, mascot that was unveiled at the uh, match against San Antonio. You can see him there on the highlights right now um, celebrating with the team. What, what are your thoughts on Gnarly? Uh, I'll, I'll give mine after I speak to you guys, but what are your thoughts, Dylan? Um, better than Super Blue, who was uh, like a syndrome knockoff from the Blues days. Um, he really should just be called Pulpy. I think that's the funniest. I hope we just continue to call him that no matter what his name is. And I really hope that he becomes like Gritty's stoner cousin. Um, cause he's got these sunglasses on. So we can't see like how pink his eyes are and he's got the sunscreen on. Like he's totally, he's just prepared for like a nice day on the beach. Um, and I really hope that uh, we kind of lean into like how obnoxious of a mascot that he is and, uh, and have fun with it because it looks really stupid and it just looks like a knockoff gritty, but I love that. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good times. I, I, I think when the, the team tweeted out a sort of sneak peek of just like his foot on Twitter, I think you were the one that tweeted out like gritty junior or something like that. Right, Dylan? So um, for those of you that weren't there, I, I don't think they showed it on the stream, but uh, Gritty actually came out to kick the ceremonial first first ball. Uh, and he actually kicked it from like just outside of the box, I believe. It wasn't even inside the box. And I was watching this setup. I'm like, great. They're bringing out this new mascot. They're setting the ball way away from the goal. They're not giving him this like just sort of easy chip it in type thing. I'm like he's going to go out there. He might run and slip or he's going to kick it and just shank it far left. And by all by the luck or, or I guess skill of everything, he actually got it into the net, uh, which was pretty darn cool. Brad, your thoughts on, uh, on gnarly there uh, as a mascot and, and just maybe thoughts in general, do mascots belong in soccer? Um, you know, if I, mm, I don't I mean, have in an Europe, they have that. in Europe, they have mascots. I know. I mean, so that must be a legit thing then if you have mascots, right? I want to say mascots are for the kids, but, like, I know adults who are still kind of, like, super into the mascot world. One of my close friends uh, is the mascots coach for the uh, University of Nevada up here. I have no comment on it. I'll just plead the fifth. 
<laughs> well, let me then go. Let me go to uh, you, Matt, out in Tampa. Do you guys have a mascot? And if not, uh, uh, what would the ideal mascot be for the Rowdies? All right, so I, I posted a link and let you guys take a look at it. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there too. Uh, the very first year that the uh, Rowdies came back, they had a giant uh, green and gold sock that uh, that we convinced the team just by shouting it over and over that the, he was named Hoops McGee. Uh, he lasted for about a year. Uh, they, I don't believe they ever washed the costume. I saw it the uh, the the last night of the season. Uh, and then was retired for a while. And then, uh, in recent years, we have, uh, we, we have a Pelican now because Pelican is like the, the bird of St. Petersburg, uh, Pete, the Pelican, or when he wanders into the supporters section, uh, PDFing Pelican is the polite way to put it. Uh, in the last year, it was revealed that, uh, Pete is romantically entangled with another Pelican named Penny who finally got to, uh, to, to make her debut this year. So we have Pete and Penny. Uh, stomping around uh, games, and uh, they are quite quite popular with uh, with the children and the adults. Let me ask you this, John. I want to get your expert opinion on this. What is better as a mascot, a person in a costume or a live animal such as llamas in Las Vegas when they had them? Oh, huge on the live animal. Like, give me a tiger at LSU or that little bulldog at a Georgia any day of the week over a gritty type of blob. Did you call? Did you just call gnarly a gritty type blob? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> We're gonna make you're on record now of calling uh, gnarly. I'm gonna uh, ask his opinion on what you think of him, and, and we'll get a comment from gnarly. I'll, I'll reach out to the club and get yeah, that information get a beef with him. I love that. Yeah, we're, we're, gnarly and and uh, USL Tactics John Morrissey are going to start some beef on the interwebs here. Um, let's let's talk about this match here. Um, I, apparently, it's Pelicans versus whatever the orange thing that orange County has. I, I don't think there's an official like uh, description of what gnarly is other than gritty junior. Also, we got to okay. call him pulpy. You want to change your, so Dylan's like starting the petition for a name change. Yeah. Let's just shout pulpy at him until they change the name or we <laughs> pulpy effing gnarly effing pulpy. I don't know. We got to come up some way. So pulpy uh, we'll just steal it from, uh, steal it from the rowdies. Let's talk go. about the, this upcoming match. I mean, this is a pretty intriguing match. Uh, I know, obviously, we're Orange County fans. We got some Tampa connections here on this podcast today. Um, so, obviously, the people that are here were interested in this match. Uh, let me ask you this. Is this a match that intrigues those outside of Southern California and, the, I guess, part of Florida? I don't know. What, what, is it, what, what part of Florida is that considered? I, I don't know if Florida has zones like we have in California, or is it just Florida? I mean, it's it's mostly like where St. Pete is is, is West Gulf Coast, Coast. And it's Central. Yeah, Gulf Coast, right there. I mean, Al Lang's right there on the waterfront. So uh, this time of year, it's it's, it's very nice. Uh, there'll be a nice breeze blowing in, especially with a later kickoff. Um, Do, are fans outside of these these two areas intrigued by this match, or is this more of a, a a match that you're going to enjoy if you're from, you know, the Tampa area? If you're from Orange County. Let me ask, maybe let me ask John, who's sort of the neutral source. I know he he has very uh, heavy ties to Tampa Bay, but he also covers a lot of stuff outside of both of these teams. What are your thoughts, John? Is this a match that intrigues the uh, casual USL fan? I think there are matchups that maybe would have been more appealing, but you've got the built-in storyline of the sort of impenetrable Orange County defense and the coaching change. 
versus this steamroller Tampa side that's been dominant all year, sort of trying to make up for lost time with the unfortunate end to last season. So there are definitely kind of narratives around this that could get a more neutral fan involved. Are you lacking maybe some of the like firepower that you could have got from a Phoenix or an El Paso? Maybe, but I think at the end of the day, the USL fan base tends to be pretty committed no matter what. Like it's a pretty niche thing to begin with. So if you're in, you're in. Apparently we have uh, Robert from uh, San Antonio who's intrigued by this match. Uh, I'm looking at it like this, right? It's it's sort of like this David versus Goliath type match. Uh, you look at the USL released their uh, all teams this today, the first team and the second team. There's zero Orange County players on those teams. And there's what, three or four Tampa Bay players on those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at 538, they had Tampa as like, you know, really high favorites to win the championship even before uh, the match this past Saturday and Orange County was the bottom of the four teams. Uh, so it, this is really, I'm, I'm wondering is, is there going to be like that casual fan that roots for the underdog that's going to be rooting for Orange County or is it Tampa Bay has more of that, I guess, rich history around the league, maybe based on where they're from and where the league offices are. Uh, maybe I, I, I hate to call this out, but like the East coast bias, you know, there's a lot of things that, that fill in there. Uh, which team is the casual fan rooting for? Does anyone have any thoughts on that? I, I know it's like, hard because none of us are casual fans, so it's hard. Yeah, to, yeah right. Uh, I, I will say I have noticed, especially in the last year or two, and I saw it a lot uh, uh, last weekend. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly only paying attention to uh, East Coast games, partially because, you know, it. whenever I watch a West Coast game, especially in the playoffs, it always seems to kick off at 10 and go into extra time and penalties. And it's like at one o'clock in the morning before it's done. Um, and outside of the teams like, you know, your Phoenixes or your Sacramentos or stuff like that, like a lot of these teams aren't as 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 well known over here. Uh, honestly, out of the potential matchup when we got to the semifinals, I would have preferred San Antonio just because there's a history with Tampa Bay and San Antonio going back to NASL, especially now that they've brought Alan Marcina back. Like there, there, there's a, there's a little, a little bad blood between uh, to Alan and some of the uh, supporters in Tampa Bay after some, some of the games we had there. Um, but I also like, you know, seeing other teams and, and playing teams we haven't played before, especially like a Western conference team or, or, or something like that. It's kind of like that appeal of the open cup uh, only now with a lot more on the line. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I mean, uh Given the way I've watched this team play for the last two years, I feel pretty uh, confident going into this game. But, you know, Orange County is here for a reason. They're obviously a good team. Uh, John has been filling me in uh, on, on some stuff to, uh, to, to, to to keep me from, uh, you know, just dreaming up uh, all these weird scenarios in my head. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, we don't know what's going on with, with Evan Loro. We, we were out two players uh, last game. Uh, heard that you know one of them was back in training today. One of them was training on their own, and that they expect to have them both back by the end of the week. We'll see what happens. Uh, so there's some storylines there, but uh, Tampa Bay, for as as kind of dominant of a season as they have, haven't I haven't really seen that backlash against? Uh, uh, they're just too good, and so we're going to cheer for somebody else. Uh, we'll see. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a super exciting one for neutrals, other than the fact that it's the cup final and you want to see who's going to win. Is, is Tampa Bay going to make good and kind of get some redemption for what happened last year? Is is Orange County going to kind of come out of, I want to say out of nowhere, because they've made it through three playoff rounds to get here, but uh, kind of nowhere to, to, to 
you know, get their first championship and, uh, and, and, and knock this team off something that, you know, hasn't been done since, uh, since like August roughly. Uh, well, there was a loss to Pittsburgh, but, uh, you know, that, that's it in the last 20 or so games. It's, it's, there's a lot in it. If you, you might just scratch a little bit below the surface to get to it, but there's, there's stuff there. Um, John, let me, let me ask you really quick thoughts. Um, tactically, which team is set up better for this matchup? I do think that there's a beauty in the sort of simplicity of the Orange County style where they can sit in with that back four, have the two holding midfielders, and just be super solid. But Tampa just gives you such a variety of looks depending on the personnel, really complex attacking patterns, lots of different options in that midfield. I naturally lean towards them because I've helped out a bit on the tactical side, but um, they just offer you so many looks. They can drive play from the central defenders, bombing forward. I lean towards them as well, defensively even. I mean, they've been, they what set the record for the longest uh, amount of time without giving up a goal during the regular season. Just going both ways, they're so well set up to dominate a game no matter what form it takes that I have to give them an edge. I feel like though, John, you'll probably get in trouble if you go against Tampa Bay in this in, in this matchup, right? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna hear from some people over at the club be like, "Hey, you can't say those things about us. You have to pick us every time, right, John? Admit it." Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, let me go I mean, to Dylan Rice if you are a hostage. Collins, what he says. So, what was that? I am supposed to report back to Neil Collins whatever John says, and I, I want to <laughs> let that out there, but it's kind of late. I don't know if he's watching. Yeah, you know, don't worry. You don't have to tell him anything. Uh, Brad, Dylan, your thoughts on Orange County on this, and um, how how are you feeling? What's the confidence level at for Orange County to be able to pull this off, Dylan? Um, I'm worried. Are you worried like you were in, in Salt Lake City uh, a couple seasons ago? So before or after the game, because I feel like I was actually pretty confident heading into that game. Um, I'm worried because Tampa Bay is a really good side. And they've been a really good side. Um, oh, man. it's. I almost feel like it suits Orange County to be the underdog here. Um, and for most people to not expect them to get the result, um, it'll be there anyway. Because it just seems like maybe like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, and, and to be there, to maybe see like my club uh, lift its first cup would be incredible. Um, but I can't imagine that this is going to be an easy match. I, I feel like it's going to have to be the same kind of situation that uh, the San Antonio match was where, I mean, realistically, it's going to be Michael Roscoe and Rob Kiernan's job to uh, to kind of lock down the defense, and we're going to see, see what uh, hopefully Kevin Alston and Brent Richards can do um, as well because – if they're as locked in as they were, um, and, and Tommy McCabe and, and Dylan Powers have another good match, then it's up for it. Um, but I think it's another match where if Orange County scores first, things go pretty well. And if uh, if Tampa goes, if Tampa scores first, this one could get pretty ugly. Uh, Brad, let me let me go to you really quick, and, and let me just say something real quick. Um, you know, you have a very veteran defense here in Orange County. There's a reason you do that. We've we've 
sort of critiqued the defense throughout the season, some mistakes they've made here and there. Um, but in the end, when you're coming down to the big moment games to have a player like Michael Orozco, have Rob Kiernan, who's played in big matches in, in England, having a Kevin Alston that is a, a former MLS all-star player, you have a USL veteran in Brent Richards, or you even have someone like a Nathan Smith um, in there. And hey, Kobe Henry has held his own when he's had the opportunity to play in there. You have some solid defensive pieces. Uh, this is the moment that you're paying these players, these solid veteran defensive players to come out and say, Hey, all you have to do is stop the other team from scoring. If they can't score a goal, they obviously can't beat us unless, you know, well, they can't beat us. They can't win the match if they can't score a goal. Right. That's what I've taught my kids. When I play soccer, if the other team can't score, they're not going to win. Obviously, no matter what we do on offense. Um, is that, is this a big moment? And are you confident in, in that orange County defense in this moment? You know, I want to say that I am confident in that Orange County defense. You know, they, especially in the last, what, seven, eight games, haven't really done anything to make me, you know, waver any, you know, support towards the Orange County defense. But for the most part, the Eastern Conference, at least for us West Coast uh, fans, is really kind of a question mark. And, you know, later this week, I'll try my best to look at the head-to-head matchups and send out a tweet between head-to-head East versus West this year because that's kind of the big talking point we've had. But I don't know terribly much about uh, Tampa Bay, and therefore I it's always tough to be confident, especially when our game plan is do our best not to let them score, and they're going to come at us with all of their might for 70, 80 minutes of the game. You know, it's it's not a fun experience to watch, and I get it. It works really well for Orange County because that's – that is our strength, but it's definitely uncomfortable. And I have this nasty habit where I'll just pace across the place I'm at. So if I'm at a bar, cause it's on ESPN, I'm just going to be walking up and down the bar. Um, a nervous wreck for, I bet you 75 minutes of this match. So uh, I just have to ask you really quick. Cause one of our uh, listeners, Matt said, you look nervous. Are you nervous, Matt? Uh, I, I'm nervous. Cause it's a, are you final. worried? I guess the word is worried. Are you uh, worried? Not necessarily. I I, I want to hear more about the goalkeeper uh, situation. Uh, but if Evan Loro can't go, uh, Ryko Rosarena has – he's only played one game this season, but he's played uh, – it was against Miami FC with the chance to clinch the Eastern Conference title. Miami was still pushing for playoff position, so it was a competitive game. Uh, and he didn't face any shots because the defense locked down Miami's offense. So uh, – and I've heard good things about him from inside the, uh, the, the club that, you know – it was, it was more than a possibility that he would have played many more games this season, especially if there had been open cup, he would have played those. So uh, feel pretty good about what he can do. And then uh, what the defense can do, especially if we get Jordan Scarlett back. Um, but it's a cup final. It's, it's, it, it's, you know, it's one game. It's one or done like anything. Can happen. So like that part always has, you have to be a little bit nervous about. Uh, but every time I think that, you know, they're going to, you know, come back down to earth or something's going to happen. You know, they go out and pull out a 6-2 win against Tulsa when they were up one nothing at halftime. Uh, so nothing that they have done has surprised me uh, anymore, and, and and I'm certainly not going to, uh, uh, to go into it counting against them. Uh, one thing, and, and I, I talked about this, uh, if it does end up going to penalties, which – Hope it doesn't. I'm, I'm technically supposed to be back at work the next day, but I already have a feeling I'm going to be taking the day off. 
Um, is it, you know, there's no film on, on our keeper and his tendency and penalties because he hasn't played. Uh, meanwhile, they've had a chance to look at two weeks of, of what Orange County does in, in penalties, and I think that'll be an advantage if it gets to that point. Hopefully it won't. The offensive hasn't been a, an issue so far, uh, ex- you know, except for the first 83 minutes of, uh, of last weekend's game. Um, but we've got, you know, Seba Guenzati is due. Like, he's 22 goals on the season. He's three goals away from being the all-time Rowdies leading scorer. Would be cool to see him, like, manage to pull it off in the final. I doubt that's going to happen. He hasn't scored since the Tulsa game. He's been two or three games without a goal now. So he's uh, he's going to be ready. Uh, I was just checking our our our, uh, our results against Western Conference teams. I think we played three Western Conference games this year. Uh, one at – or two at Al Lang and then one in uh, – to finish out the season in Vegas – uh, beat Phoenix, beat Oakland, and beat Vegas is our results this year. Well, I mean, we beat Oakland all season long. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we're using Oakland as a as a yeah. thing there, I mean, we, we, we we're even on that. Um, and Vegas is just one of those tough teams because you don't know what you're getting out of Vegas week in and week out being that affiliate of uh, yeah. uh, LAFC. Yeah, and it was game of the season, and, you know, they were they – were, they were there playing because it was on the schedule at that point. And in all honesty, like any games that take place, like the West coast teams that have to travel to the East coast and play like a, what would be like a four o'clock kickoff here on the West coast. People don't realize how, how much your body is like set to certain times. So when you're doing that big of a difference, it's really hard. The cool thing with this final is they've made the time at least a little bit more realistic for the West coast teams, uh, making it a five thirty West coast kickoff, eight thirty East coast. I, I think Maybe there's a little bit of a disadvantage there for Tampa Bay, and that being that it's such a late kickoff, a uh, local time. Maybe you know that's later than most um, East Coast teams would be used to. At least here on the West Coast, if you're traveling to Mountain Time, it's it's not big a difference there. But we'll see how that works out. Um, any last thoughts on this match from anyone before we go to our predictions? Yeah, it's the finals of the USL Championship. You know, regardless of how nervous you know. I am, and I know other people in this uh, call are, like, this is kind of a time to celebrate. We're on ESPN. It's a big game. People are going to be tuning in that have literally just turned on their TV and their ESPN is their most watched channel. Uh, It's competing at a time slot with Sunday Night Football. Um, These are going to be some interesting, you know, times. I can't wait to see the numbers of how many people are tuning into this game because it's it's definitely a huge uh, barometer of the success of this league. So just being on ESPN and other big name league or uh, television channels to Portes is a huge deal. And I think also, like I said, syndicated on uh, Sirius XM. So that's pretty cool. So people that are not at home, they can still hear what's going on uh, in this match, which is a, an amazing thing for this league. Cause I think you look back even like three years ago, this is not what's happening. It's still a, uh, uh, streaming service type thing, or maybe ESPN News, or you, mm-hmm. or the Ocho, or whatever ESPN channel the match is on, uh, and uh, definitely love to see that the league has uh, grown to this point where now uh, it, it's getting some national exposure. I mean, even this season, I think I've seen more than any season in the past where uh, things from the top ten or not top ten from USL related stuff. I know. Uh, earlier this season, Francis Jacobs was on the not top 10 for his golf skills, I believe, which was uh, pretty fun to see. But I mean, this is something that you you love as a USL fan, because again, three years ago, that wouldn't even have had a chance of making it onto ESPN's uh, you know, flagship shows. So that's really cool to see. Um, 
Anything else? Anyone else before we get to our MASH predictions? All right, so here's what we're going to do is we're going to just pick score lines. We don't need to pick goal scores. We don't need to pick man of the match. Just I want to hear what everyone thinks, the score line and who's winning. Uh, and we're going to let our guests go first. And since you're the most recent guest on the show, Matt, you get to go first on this. Uh, what is your score prediction? Who's winning this match? Uh, man, I know who I think is going to win. It's just figuring out the score. Uh, I'm going 2-1 Tampa Bay. 2-1 Tampa Bay. Let's go to Mr. USL Tactics, John Morrissey. What is your prediction? 1-0 Tampa Bay. 1-0 Tampa Bay. Brad, your prediction for this match? Uh, this is this is going to... Uh, I think 1-1 one, one is going to go to extra time. Okay, and then... Uh, I, I'm not Cam making a winner. prediction in extra time. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Come on, Brad. I you got to do it. You uh, got to do it. I'm going to go against everything the homer me is saying, and uh, Tampa's going to pull it out an extra that's time. Why he didn't want, that's why he wanted to Take try and off. avoid Get saying anything. Um, you guys always say Ray out. We should be doing a Brad out thing on here. Yeah. Dylan, what yeah, is your prediction on this? Oh, man, I really want to say it's going to be 1-1, one, one, and it's going to go to penalties. <laughs> and, um, here's the thing. You can't make predictions about penalties. Because it's but you just... have to. But you have to. Orange County six five on penalties. All right, I'm going to go great. with my I'm, my tried know, and true prediction here, like a, a monkey. My prediction for this match: five nil Tampa Bay, five nil Tampa Bay for this match. So if that happens, this podcast is over. That we're done. <laughs> That's it. This could be the last podcast we ever do. Because Why are you going to leave, Dylan? I'm out. Yeah, we're out. You're out of the show. You're getting kicked off and. I'm going to get kicked off of the show that I bankroll started. Yeah. 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 For that prediction. You know, what, what, what are you um, saying there, Matt? You're, you're whispering back there. You're, you, we can't hear you because uh, you spoke it into existence. If it happens, I mean, I, we, we, we've got a guy that when we do predictions, he chimes in every week with, uh, with, with four, one to the lads. And uh, we actually were at that point against Tulsa for a second, but uh, I, I would never stake my life on that, that score line. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, for those, you know, Matt, you, and for those that may be listening, don't listen to our show that often. That's typically my go-to prediction. I always predict five nil to the opponent. I'm a very much a, um, superstitious person. And I, I think that's what makes us win all the time. I said, I, I physically said it last week, Dylan made me change it, but I said five nil to start. So that's what worked. So we're going to continue that trend going there really quick. Cause we got to wrap things up. This has been going way too long, but I do want to talk about one more thing. Big announcement today from USL and from Konami was that USL is going to have an official presence on eFootball, which if you look on Steam, is the lowest rank game on Steam. Um, so positives and negatives here. What do we think of this? Uh, a, uh, yay that USL is going to be on a video game, but why eFootball and such a horribly rated game? Apparently there's fixes on the way, but is this something where – came out so crappy that it can't be good ever um anyone here anyone on here video gamers not as much I as i used to be yeah, I, I know yeah. yeah i know i know eFootball is the old uh pro evolution series as they renamed it i don't know if they renamed it because this version is so bad or, or what the deal is i haven't played 
uh, Pro Evo in in forever. I I assume I will be uh, investing in this just because of the USL license, which I is obviously the point of why they're doing it. Yeah, the, 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 someone was talking about that at the at the, uh, at the stadium on Saturday night that they heard that was that was going to be announced this week and, uh, and that it came out and it'll be interesting, I guess. It, it, it's a start. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna maybe have to download this eFootball game and try it out. I've been playing FIFA since like FIFA 13. Um, those that follow our podcast know I participated in like the EUSL and the Lower League Cup, and I'm gonna. Um, Actually, no, not the lower league cup. There was another one, but I'm going to be participating hopefully in the lower league cup here coming up soon, um, representing our podcast. We, uh, for those that didn't know, uh, there's a new Twitter account that I created, and it's going to represent our gaming. Uh, anyone that represents us in gaming, it's uh, our gaming podcast account. So look for it, uh, not um, uh, on Twitter or whatever. Uh, but um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting because I, I, I don't know. When you play one thing for what ten years straight, and then you go to something different, it's going to feel weird. Uh, but exciting to see USL getting this type of coverage because that means random people that pick up this game, they're going to see Tampa Bay Rowdies. They're going to see Orange County SC. Uh, they're going to see that, and they're going to learn more about it, and all that can do is help the league grow, correct? Right? So that's at least the positive of this. Now, if it's only like three or four people picking up and playing this game because of how bad it is, that's a different story. Um, let's do this. Let's wrap things up. This has gone way too long. Um, longer than normal, but even with my extra time, we've still gone past that quick random thoughts. Uh, just in case you don't know, Matt, at the end of every episode, we like to just sort of end with a random thought it does not have to be soccer related. Dylan likes to recommend a bunch of books that none of us will ever read. Um, Brad likes to ponder if a hot dog is a sandwich. Uh, and, uh, I forget what John has done in the past. I apologize, John, for not remembering your random thoughts. Maybe it's just something. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'll give you a chance to figure something out, Matt. I'll go to John since he probably already knew this was happening. What's your random thought, John? I knew it was happening, and I did no preparation. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, same. I will. I'm going to jump back on the uh, hot dog is a sandwich thing and say that a hot dog is not a sandwich. All right, Brad. Random thought from you. I'm going to steer clear of uh, wrong opinions uh, by my co-host here um, and just talk about, you know, it was very nice being able to uh, chat with uh, Mr. Mike Watts, you know, kind of been fangirling about uh, him joining us uh, since he told us earlier this week. Um, but more importantly, like, you know, got to hear the voice that uh, broadcasted my USL E-Cup Rocket League match versus Sean Tosh in the COVID era. Um, no, uh, just very nice to have another guy who's very devoted to this league. You know, he works and broadcasts so many games. And to pick his brain a little bit uh, since he's been around for so long is, you know, very interesting. Uh, and also, while, you know, random thoughts, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. So looking forward to... Uh, for Thanksgiving uh, meal with my family, I get a drive down either tomorrow or Thursday morning. Uh, and yeah, happy let's, Thanksgiving to you all. Let me just say this, Brad. If you're ever willing to unretire from Rocket League, there is a spot for you on the Orange and Black Soccer Cast esports team. In the Lower League Cup, they're introducing Rocket League in the Lower League Cup this this uh, go around. So if you want to you know, represent us on that, you, you could do so. You might have to face uh, the dude from... Uh, Birmingham, but uh, Taylor, who knows? Uh, maybe mm. you've improved since then. Uh, I have not. I have Dylan, not played since then. Um, 
I don't know. Be good he for knows this is coming and he doesn't even have one ready. Yeah, I never prepare for this because what's the point? Um, if, if John, who is a much smarter than man than I, doesn't prepare, then I'm certainly not going to. Um, I don't know. Be good to one another. I watched um, a player get knocked unconscious during a game earlier today uh, and was taken away via ambulance. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, there was a, a player who collapsed in the uh, EFL championship today. Um, you know, this sport asks a lot of people. Um, so be good to one another. And if someone gets uh, injured, maybe don't laugh. Um, that's someone just doing their job. Um, yeah, be, be a good person. Uh, that's my combined Alan and Dylan. <laughs> Matt, you have a, a random thought for us. All right, number one, a hot dog is most definitely not a sandwich. I, I've felt very strongly about this for years. And uh, and to tie into Thanksgiving, pumpkin pie is also trash. Give me pecan pie and have a great holiday. Those are um, great opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, my random thought is, and this might apply to, to Brad. He's leaving the room. He has to hear what I'm going to say. No, Brad, you got to come back because um, you're the closest person to this. There is a brewery located just outside of Boise, Idaho, called County Line Brewing. I, I want to find a way somehow, some way to get some of that beer down to Orange County for next season for the home opener. So County Line Coalition can pop open a can of County Line Brewing brewing uh, beer for the home opener. So if there's any way we can make that happen, Brad, if you can drive up to Reno and then drive yes, down eight hours and do all of that. Hey, but if you can make it happen, I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks as a tip. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but if anyone else has another way to make this happen, let me know. Um they, they don't distribute out to California, so we need to find some way to do that. Uh, but, yeah, that would be that'd be pretty cool for Caroline Coalition to enjoy some Caroline Brewing beer uh, before a match. Uh, I want to thank, first and foremost, Mike Watts for taking some time out of his evening to join us. Uh, we've been trying forever to get him on the show, uh, and we finally made it happen. So awesome. Thanks for him. Uh, thanks to him for that. Also, Matt from Unused Substitutes. Uh, follow them. Listen to them. Uh, on their podcast or follow whatever they have to say on Twitter, social media, whatever that goes. Uh, they are also part of BGN. We don't really uh, plug BGN much anymore on our show, but we're still sort of a, we're affiliated with that group of, of soccer podcasts. That's how we know Brad. That's how uh, we know a new substitutes and a bunch of other soccer friends that we have. So uh, follow all of those great podcasts. John, as always, you're, you're inching closer to, to becoming a host and not just a guest on our show. So we appreciate that. Follow him at USL Ta- tactics. Uh, for Brad, for Dylan, for Alan, who's not here tonight, and for our producer, Andy. My name is Ray. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh,